Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to another Skill Riders podcast episode. This is episode number 217. I am here joined with my guest, Alan Gonick. Uh, just chilling. We're going to get into this episode. Very excited covering model car culture. There's a lot of various things uh, that Alan is uh, responsible for. You know, uh, a lot of history involved photography, uh, Lowrider Bicycle Magazine. I mean, uh, the, the shows that were happening back in the 90s. And, you know, I'm ve- very happy to have him as a guest uh, today. And what's up, Alan? How you doing? Good. Thanks for the invite. I'm really honored to uh, be here. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. You know, it, I, I still remember, uh, you know, the the first time when, uh, when I saw you uh, back at the, uh, what was it, in November at the, uh, the, the show in Pomona. It was the model show that right. was being uh, uh, hosted there. At the uh, yeah. MHRA museum, yeah, 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 I, yeah. I remember uh, you, you, you know, you were also. I was vending. You were there also vending, and I remember you coming by and saying hi, and yep. um, you know, and then we we're chilling. And it wasn't until like after where you know, because um, you were busy and I was on my side busy too. But then you know, we started to communicate online on um, on Instagram and everything. And then I, I, I was just tripping out as to like. You know, I, I didn't know, you know, how how deep and like how connected you were with a lot of these guys that were model builders from back in the day, right? I'm over, I'm over here thinking that, oh, you know, I, I've had all these guests and and different people that were involved in Lord or Bicycle Magazine, but little did I know is that you also played a big role in in that too. And you know, re- recently, what was it like a week ago? Um, at the Soka Open, we were having a conversation. Armando Flores, shout outs to him. He was there too. And he was like, man, you, you need to get him on the podcast. Like, and then you guys started going down like memory lane, yeah. you know, talking about, you know, a lot of the things from back then. So, um, so for like the viewers and myself, uh, you know, please tell us, tell us um, a bit about yourself. And then also we can start off by jumping into uh, the, like, back in that time like the shows how you got into all that okay well um it was back i think 89 or something uh i was building i've always built in my whole life so i remember at age seven i think i built a shelby cobra um two dollar (laughs) model so uh basically one day i walked into pegasus and larry was there this was four stores ago when he was up on Foothill Boulevard, he was uh, just a double store and it was Larry working with his father. And uh, I told him, Larry, I want to do a swap meet, you know, sell old old kits and everything. He says, ah, everybody's telling me that. Everybody walks in here and says that. So he says, how are you going to get people in? I said, I'll do a model show. <laughs> and that was the start of this SoCal Classic. And the first one was the Inland Empire model car show, which was kind of funny. It was in a bar, kind of a restaurant bar in Montclair. And, uh, it, you know, I put people on tables, the vendors on tables and had tables out there. I had to bring in lighting. The two guys that booked the room uh, were, let me say, they were from Chicago and they're really big. 
guys with Italian accents. <laughs> I said, well, what are these guys doing in Montclair? Anyway, so uh, uh, while I was arranging, they walked me into their office and I was kind of shaky about that. But uh, anyway, they go, they looked up at the side and said, look, we could get you a band if you want. You, we could get you a band. They go, no, I can't afford a band. So anyway, the show went on and everything. Uh, everybody was having pretty much a good time. All of a sudden, it's July. The air conditioning isn't working that well. They fling the doors open and opened up a bar. So, <laughs> so everybody started having a good time after that point. So um, several of the people that are known now, Rob Smorey was there. Mike Flynn was there. Um, um, uh, Rick, Rick Hicks was there. Uh, a lot of the guys that are kind of around now were at that show, and that was well over 30 years ago. So uh, when you think about it, uh, you get that that bite from auto cars, you're never released from it. I'm sorry. <laughs> you're going to be doing it for a while. Even if you go away for a little bit, you'll be doing it some more in a, in a while after. So um, anyway, so that's the first one that started out. The second one. Uh, the first one was a people's choice, which was problematic too. So I said, that's it. We're going to be doing a judge show. So uh, the classic started at the Doubletree Inn, which was a nice hotel. Uh, it had uh, three rooms that were joined and um, uh, two of more vendors. The other one was the show. Uh, and at exactly, I think, 12 o'clock, we shut the doors on the show and the judges went at it. From one time to another, there were six to nine judges. Cody Grayland was the first uh, person to be the head judge. And if you look back in history, he, his work was magnificent. He was a miniature machinist. And he ended up after modeling, doing parts for everybody else's, uh, Rush Franklers, uh, s and uh, detail. Um, he started doing uh, all the little bitty parts right down to, a, I think, a one-twelfth scale clutch that actually worked on the motorcycle. So uh, that was the kind of first show. We had all those people come in. Uh, and at one time or another, we had AMT, the head of AMT, Ed, Ed uh, I forget his name. Anyway, he walked in and uh, he saw the whole show and everything and started sending model kits the next years after that and everything. We had three magazines, Lowrider, Plastic Fanatics, and Scale Auto was there. I think it was Scale Auto at the time. Uh, so there were three different magazines covering it. Uh, the first year, uh, we one of the guys that helped me get the show together, Ed Nunez, uh, said, you know, we need a Lowrider class. And it was kind of weird because no other shows had it except for us. You know, when we started, there were small hobby stores that would do local local uh, shows, but the classic started lowriders uh, as a class. First year, Robin Antonucci showed up, and we had maybe five entries. <laughs> and I said, uh, I said, uh, Ed, you better boost this, otherwise we get rid of it. So the next year, we had a hundred entries in the lowrider class. And after that, we had to break it out to three different classes. Uh, and it was divided by years. So uh, at that point, we started getting Armando Flores. We started getting D.A. Garcia. 
uh, half the uh, other guys that were in Southern California started showing up and everything. And uh, the show became a showpiece for the rest of the country because it was getting national publicity from those magazines. And the guys back east going, hey, these are pretty cool. I think I'm going to do one. So all of a sudden, the Midwest started doing it. Guys up in, uh, you know, the higher areas, Montana, so South Dakota, they all started doing lowriders. And then out to Chicago and back east and everything. But the numbers were still the biggest on, in California. And let me tell you, everything happens in Southern California first. All the car stuff happens here. All the design stuff happens here. Everything, the development all happens here. Drifting started in Southern California. You know, that was one of the first main events that happened there. So, uh, and the Japanese cars, also JDMs, they all started showing up big time and everything. And that kind of helped because of uh, road racing. At 16 years old, I was on Riverside Raceway holding up a flag in the corners and everything uh, for sports car racing. So I saw the original IROC races. I saw the Winston Western 500 almost got edged by Richard Petty once because I kind of went like this when he came to a corner once because he was just growing a beard and the next minute he, the next lap he came about that far from me <laughs> with a big smile on his face. So um, I did flagging through in, on several courses and everything. Started getting into Corvairs at the point, you know, as early on I was into Corvairs. So far I've owned 15 in my life. So, and I think the 15th was the last one, I think, I'm not sure. But um, always had an eye for European cars. I really like European cars a lot. And uh, if uh, I'll walk around my uh, room right in a few minutes and you'll see a lot of European models on my shelf and everything. Uh, but um, after that, you know, the show was a success and everything. And I said, you know, I wanna do something different here. So I put out a flyer to all the local clubs. And at the time they were in the Los Angeles area and San Diego area, there were almost eight separate model car clubs. The Valley, San Diego, the High Valley, there was Inland Empire, the, the, the Cruisers. And then there was some, uh, another club in Long Beach. And then there was a, one in the background that was a national club, which is AMS, uh, Amer uh, Automotive Modeler Society. And they had a magazine and pretty cool because it interviewed all the members and everything of the club, which was a national club. Anyway, I put out a flyer and I call it the meeting of modelers or the mom, M-O-M. And I was able to score a, a space in the Peterson Museum. At the time, Peterson Museum was owned by city of Los Angeles. So the room was free. So uh, they showed me the room and my mouth just dropped. We were on the top patio on the third floor uh, facing uh, Fairfax Boulevard. And it was on the corner of uh, Wilshire and Fairfax, which still is today. I looked at the room and it was a glass room with air conditioning. And it was in, I think, May. So it was really good weather. We had really nice sunshine coming in to... Uh, show off paint jobs and such like that. Uh, and everybody just ate it up. Didn't all you had to do is pay museum entry, no awards, no nothing. It's just lay down each 
each club stayed together, laid down the cars, and everybody was just so casual. They were lounging on the patio outside, and uh, everybody just super enjoyed the whole show. That happened three times, the mom, because by the third one, uh, Peterson Magazine, who put, who, oh, you know, that's the name on the museum. They helped get the museum. They, uh, they took it over. And at that point, I, I think I pulled out because they started charging like big dollars for the room and everything. And I wasn't making anything. I just brought in tablecloths. They did the tables. They did everything else. The second one brought in people. And it, Boyd, uh, Boyd Connington was brought in. I could show you a model later on from that, uh, where he signed and everything. Um, uh, there was uh, Don Emmons came in, who I could show you in the magazine. I had it around here somewhere. He designed all the model cars for uh, road and track model cars. And I think he started going into scale auto, uh, into model car science was the precursor to all the other model car magazines out there. And he brought all, he laid down all of the original cover cars. And by that time they were probably 15, 16 years old and they were spotless and they looked just like the cover. There was no dust anywhere, nothing. So uh, a side, a little side story to that. Don Emmons told me at the show because I told him that I like Corvairs. He said, uh, oh, you know, I had the Man From Uncle car along with, uh, what's the other one? Uh, I forget the name of it, but it's the drag racing car. And they were on a trailer together. They reissued the kit recently. And uh, he tells a story that AMT called him because he used to build the prototypes for AMT and design some stuff for AMT along with uh, Bud Anderson, who's the guy in the center, uh, right next to a guy named Jack Davis to his right. Uh, Bud Anderson was the cat from AMT, which you see on all the labels and everything on, on the brand new uh, stage two stuff. Uh, anyway, uh, he said, yeah, they, I said, Jer, if you wanna park the car in, in the uh, driveway, in my driveway, for a few days, that's fine, no problem. So he told me after three months, I gave AMT a call. They said, okay, we'll come down and get it. After six months, he gave a call. Okay, we'll come down and get it. He said, after a year, the cars just disappeared. So I don't know what happened to it. So the original man from Uncle Car, uh, which Gene Winfield designed, and the Piranha, sorry, that's it. My brain doesn't work that fast. And the Piranha, uh, they were gone. So who knows what happened to them? And they recently popped up somewhere on the high desert and everything, restored and everything. And they were in Peterson Museum. <laughs> it was fun, funny enough. Anyway, so the mom happened three times. And uh, by the third time, the word started getting around and we started getting a lot of noted, very notable people, people from uh, the Peterson Publications, which was Gun and Ammo, Road and Track, uh, Motor Trend. They were all that's all their magazines and everything. Uh, so we saw some of the high up guys there. Uh, and so Leslie, Leslie Peterson, I think, no, Leslie, I can't remember his name, but he's the assistant curator at the time. He came from San Diego Museum 
and he's currently the curator for the museum now. I said, Leslie, can we get some guys to go downstairs? And he said, sure, sure, get some guys together. And that was the, uh, the vault, what they call the vault now. But back then, nobody got in. It was a work area. So it was a, you know, a very rare thing to get into the vault. And we saw a lot of stuff in there that you wouldn't believe. Yeah, Leslie called me up later on and said, I need some custom cars for the L.A. County Auto Show. Um, so he said, I want early 50s customs or late 50s customs from Los Angeles. So the picture I showed you, Jack Davis, he was uh, known as the father of the Phantom. So he had some 50s customs and 60s customs. I called up Herb Deeks, which he's still around different shows. You'll see him. He was selling resin bodies at the time and very excellent wire wheels. And uh, I said, Herb, I need your LA Customs one. He said, okay. So I got a hold of that. And uh, Jack had two cars. So there are three cars. And, and Leslie said, that was great. So I don't know if anybody's gone to the Peterson before. There used to be a garage with an MG and a Studerbaker wagon in it for years. So this was, you know, Leslie rolls up in that Studebaker wagon. And I said, Leslie, that part of the collection? He goes, yeah, but we take it out to drive it so it stays good. So that's, a, I don't know if you know the Studebaker Lark wagons. They had pushback roofs. So the back, the station wagon back of it had no roof on it. So in essence, it's a pickup truck. But he drove that one down there. And later on, it sat in the museum for years and years. So um, that was the end of the mom chapter. But at the same time, the day after the mom, the first mom, I had a swap meet in Ontario. And everybody go, how are you going to do that? I said, well, it's all it's on the rails. No problem. So we had the first swap meet and somebody said, hey, look, the mayor of Ontario is here because it was held in Ontario. He was uh, his brother ran the IPMS in Chino Airport. So uh, both of them walked in and they were just buying kits left and right and everything. So I did, I think about five swamp meets. Uh, and then, uh, you know, the Peterson was, the mom was running out and everything. And so um, I started going with the classic and uh, I wasn't building anything because <laughs> I was too busy. So that's what happens when you start a business, a hobby business like that, all of a sudden, it, you get busy enough and you, you, you can't have time to build or anything. So it was hard for me to build and everything, which is okay. I never went into my own contest, uh, which I felt was kind of a, you know, it, it was not a good thing for the promoter to be in their own contest. Even though I had no part of judging or anything, uh, I still wouldn't do it. I said, I wouldn't do it. And we established a, uh, in that show, sweeps, we uh, no sweep rule, <clears throat> which means nobody could win every award in a class. And so that way the awards were distributed between people and everything. Uh, I created, instead of table cards, I created like little flags so you could see it from across the room what, where the classes were. Uh, the awards were different a uh, few times a year. I think the first one, I have one up here. Sorry, let me go up here real quick and get it down uh, things are falling apart around here so this was the first award 
first the words were trophies, excuse me. And these were the these were the second trophies. Man, those are clean, man. They look they look so dope. Yeah, nobody did plastic at the time. And that's another one. So that had the classic logo on it. This one had the black base. So you can see the year 92. And this was 93. It said first. So that's the first is 93. So uh, that was the SoCal classic and everything. And then the awards, we did different uh, kind of awards. I don't have the clear one here, I don't think. But we did a clear pla uh, plaque and they were three-dimensional. We would put a engraving on the front and then back would be uh, like a, a um, vinyl sticker. And it would have the year and each class would be a different, uh, each award level would be a different color and everything. So uh, I'd, I want it to be different. I just didn't want to give those old trophies away and everything. So this is plastic for a plastic show and it's very specific. Everybody knew what the awards look like. So, uh, so anyway, that's how the classic went on. And that led me into writing for Low Rider Bicycle Magazine. Nathan came up to me and says, well, you know, you hold this contest and you learned a lot about lowriders and, and the people that are building lowriders and such like that. So uh, I'm looking for a kid's magazine. Uh, would you like to write? I said, what kind of articles do you want me to write? He, uh, he said, well, you know, we could use some tech, tech uh, articles. So I started writing the tech articles. Um, that's kind of funny years later. I'm sitting outside of a small place called Taco, uh, Taco King in Upland, California, and a 49 Merc pulls up outside. It was completely sectioned, channeled. Um, you know, the whole roof was just cut and everything. And uh, I started talking to the guy. He was a young guy, probably in his late 20s, mid 20s. He said, yeah, man, I read those magazines. I just read each page till they just wore out. And I'm going, wow, did I have that impression on somebody? You know, start cutting up stuff like that and everything like that. So uh, that was a, a big boof for me, you know, see that end up that way. And now you see all the same guys who were teenagers at the show, at the classic, uh, show up. And now they're the... Uh, oh geez <laughs> right <laughs> Which, yeah on the show all three of them and everything back yeah. then it is crazy though the the uh the tech articles and just the, you know the magazine it, it definitely did have an impact for a lot of people when they got their hands on it i mean i i still remember uh being in junior high and getting my hands on the book and then you know further on and, until i started high school and just like flipping through the pages you know and I didn't I didn't start from like issue number one. Like I started like towards the middle, you know, mm -hmm. of, of the run of the issues when I started getting them. But whatever I could get in my hands, to me, that was like gold, you know. I just like cherished these magazines, kept them, uh, would just daydream and just stare at these pages, you know, because you would look at the photos from the contest and then also photos from the featured cars. Mm -hmm. And the ones that were featured, um, you know, on some of them, the pictures were blown up kind of big where it would take up the whole like page. So I would just be staring at that, trying to figure out like what's being used, like how do they do that? And when you got to the section of the, the tech 
of the tips, you realize, oh, cool, they're giving me an insight as to what I need to do to, you know, take my model to that next step. And, and yeah, man, like every, anytime I, I, I speak with people that have these magazines, it's, it's the same. Like we just, you know, reminisce, we geek out on it. And the, it, it's just a lot of good things that came out of that. You yeah. Know? This, I just, uh, I keep, uh, I kept a binder of everything. So, uh, so there's, um, you know, I just have them in order and everything. This one has a centerfold in it. And it's featuring, uh, I think it's Armando, yeah, Armando's uh, Las Vegas car. I don't know if you've seen that, but that's the Vegas car that he did. And uh, I think I did one of the big articles in this. Uh, uh, yeah, there it is, Putty This. And all these photos were done here in the garage where I'm sitting with uh, analog camera the old DLSR, so that's film in a studio setting. I took my own models and used them in the background, the ones I bought and everything. At the time, Pegasus was really, uh, Mike Flynn and uh, Rick Hicks was there, and they would uh, give me parts to show off and everything in the magazine too. And that was like the new, newer stuff and everything. And then I built... Uh, I think the Chevy, when the Chevy came out, I built that. And I did one called an Easy Lowrider. And it was one the snap together Chrysler LeBaron, I think it is, or one of those convertible. And all I did was buy some Pegasus wheels, slap it on there with white walls. And for the black windshield that surrounds, I showed using a, a black marker, <laughs> you know, to fill it in a permanent marker. And you get a great looking model in, in hardly any time at all. So it was pretty cool. That's, that's pretty dope you know and and as far as like the uh, can you tell us about the the shows where you guys where you were connecting those those three shows to get to get like a final award kind of uh uh what what, what was that like the like you were like the best that was, was like, like a big award it was a triumphant type of thing and what happened was uh randy atwood i stole from victorville as my head judge because cody moved away so uh, Randy uh, did all the rest of the shows as the head judge and everything, I think for one year. And then I got Pat Knowles to do the head judging. Uh, what happened was it started catching and, and all the people, it was so local, all the shows were so close together. There was San Diego and Victorville and the classic. So uh, like I said, Randy Atwood was the head judge. So he matched up a lot of the, um, a lot of the, uh, classes and everything and uh we s matched who's first in what class and everything like that the best of shows if uh somebody won two best of shows and uh high awards in the other ones they would be a shoo-in for the you know for the triumphant so uh, i think armando got one of those at uh, one year um and uh we, it only lasted like two or three years because the uh somebody would miss one show or somebody another or wouldn't be the best to show they would only get a second place or something so there's no real good matchups in uh i think the third year it was like that and then uh the enthusiasm was kind of running out for that 
but the concept was to put three shows together and match the winners from uh, three different shows for one big award. And I thought of it, and guess what? It wasn't my show <laughs> that did that. It was Victorville that finally got the uh, awards, final awards and everything. And we made up a special award for that. And uh, I think that might have been a trophy. I'm not sure for those awards. Uh, but it, it was a short time. We tried it. Uh, back then, it was like, you know, throw something against the wall and see if it sticks or not. And so that's what happened with the lowrider class. And like I said to Ed, I said, Ed, you better get this going. So it was not only Ed, but it was uh, at the time, I think Pegasus Whittier was open and uh, Dier Garcia was there uh, as the shop pro. And up up here, uh, it was Rick, Rick Hicks and he built the uh, Grapes of Wrath, the 51, I think it is, 51 Chevy with the real incredible paint job and everything. Rick was very creative person. Uh, and at the time also, what was really funny is they were starting to do Pegasus wheels. They were designing Pegasus wheels at the time. So uh, there was influence coming in from Rick and from Mike, who was a drag racer. And uh, I always asked for custom stuff to come in. Uh, so it was kind of a synergy at the time. Uh, the good thing is that the classic, when it happened in Ontario, Pegasus had really good day, probably the best day next to Christ Christmas holiday for business because everybody would be coming in for that, including people from out of state. All the vendors from out of state came in. Uh, we had two or three resin people to come in. Uh, Mike Walgren, uh, Ray from R&R &R would come in. Uh, and then there was other SNS. Rush Vankler would show up. Uh, and Roy Sorensen, of course, would show up with Plastic Fanatic magazine. And uh, so the classic started blowing up like there's no tomorrow. When you went to the classic, you were busy all day. You weren't, uh, oh, if you weren't busy all day, the first few shows, Mark Weller did a, had a chrome, uh, had a send out for chrome. We had Bud Anderson cutting up a car right in front of everybody. And that was his art. He was the Barris of uh, model cars. He was the guy that employed Barris and the uh, uh, Alexander brothers and the rest of the customizers that made custom parts for the AMT cars, the extra, all the parts packs and everything like that. That was Bud Anderson. So, uh, so we had a, a lot of people coming in there. Uh, another thing that I started when the, the seminars starting running out i did a what they call blind modeler uh, that isn't pc now i would call it the blind the blindfold modeler now uh, so anyway uh basically we put five cars five guys on a table uh this was when the showroom was shut down so i wanted to have everybody hang out and the vendors you know do good sales and everything like that so anyway the crowd started growing Five guys, five guys on the table. They were thrown a box, sealed box, and normally it was a snap kit, maybe even a car snap kit, because <laughs> we put airplanes on on the table, we put uh, tanks on the table, 
and they would normally snap kits and everything. And we give the guys like 10, like 15 minutes to try to go at it and build it. And um, some parts happen to fall off the table every now and then or get shifted from a tank over to an airplane, things like that, you know. So it was uh, entertaining for everybody, including the modelers. They, they said they hated it, but they, they said yes every time I called them up to the table. So uh, sooner or later, that's going to show up again, I think. It was a fun time and everything. So uh, anyway, that that's what occurred at the classic and it kind of set the pace for other um shows victorville i think started like a year or two after the classic san diego was already running uh but cody and i sat down uh well, along with ed and uh i'm trying to remember the other guy's name anyway john i know him as john uh, he used to do really excellent European cars and stuff. Uh, automobile and miniatures was his business back, back, back when it, they aren't around for years. But uh, we sat down and started hashing through the outlines of the classes. Uh, you know, the little rule book on the on the back of the flyer. And whoever popped up with a show here and there somehow they had a rule book to go by at that point. It became a standard rule book. And that's why we were kind of able to match up those classes and everything uh, for the triumphant. Uh, so there was one in San Bernardino, which all of a sudden showed up out of nowhere. Oh, it's Route 66. Uh, so I looked at the classes and they copied my classes <laughs> exactly, you know, it's right off the paper. So uh, it became kind of a standard and uh, I blended the judges also. Cody did a good job. He was a incredible uh, automotive builder. Uh, Pat Knowles was an, an IPMS guy and he built everything from planes to ships to cars, but he stayed in cars a lot. Uh, drew a high water from San Diego, NASCAR, big NASCAR guy. If you open up old uh, scale auto enthusiasts, you look at the NASCAR parts and that's Drew. So we brought him in and then we took out half the staff of Pegasus at the same time too. Mike was a judge. Uh, Rick was a judge. Jack Davis was a judge. He wasn't in the, he, uh, he set out his con, his uh, uh, category and stuff. And, uh, a lot of the other Randy Atwood was there, the head judge and uh, all the other judges had a lot of experience between IPMS uh, gone to NNL, gone to all the different automotive, uh, you know, events and everything. So uh, we had a good standard set of judges that were not just based in automotive and didn't just look at, Oh, that's a good looking car. No, we had to look at the windshields, make sure the windshield didn't have any scuffs. The paint was clean. The, uh, it was kind of factual because Jack was almost a walking encyclopedia. At one time he was at, he was running Fontana Raceway, uh, the drag strip. And uh, he worked for Hooker Headers. Uh, so he, he was a walking encyclopedia, when, especially if street rods or 50s customs, he was, you know, he just, and he knew lowriders because they started, you know, started way back in the 50s with lowrider cars, which were 
you know, lowered cars. They weren't low riders. They didn't have the culture behind them, but they sat really low. So the technique of lowering a car happened all the way back then. Jack grew up in San Bernardino. And Bud Anderson ended up in San Bernardino too. After uh, AMT, he came out to California and I think it might have been Busy B was his hobby, was his hobby store. Uh, it wasn't called that, but then they sold it and it became Busy B. So, uh, so w- when Bud showed up at the show and, you know, he showed up every year and he said, if I had a show, this would be it. So, and he did have one show in, in Buena Park that just kind of flopped a little bit because of the way it's put together and everything. But he came out to that show and he really enjoyed it a lot. So, oh, Ed O'Neill, that's who I was thinking of from AMT. I, judge, I joke at work that I have a 32-bit brain and all the other guys have 64-bit brains. <laughs> they get access quicker. <laughs> okay. I had a question for you regarding um, like machine parts when... When modelers, you know, at that time started introducing small machine parts into their builds, was that something that was like a huge game changer, like just headed in another direction when you guys started seeing that? Oh, when you, yeah. Uh, first first machine stuff really started coming out was aluminum. I think mass, uh, machined aluminum scale in scale or something. Uh, they're still available, I think. Uh, the metal came out were rims and some of them were one part rims. Some of them were two part rims and finally ended up being three part rims. Basically the outside of the rim that was deep, then a lot, then a, a pattern for the wheel. And then the third one would come on the back. The third part would come on the back. And the problem is that at the time, Nobody was really doing tires. So they were doing tires, rims that would fit the tires that the model car companies made. So after a while, they go, wait a second, we want better tires. And all of a sudden, better tires came out after that, Uh, either resin cast or uh, I think there's a technique of the same thing you do with resin, you do with rubber instead of with the resin. And that way you get the rubber tires. And those are available now. Uh, And now they're, I don't know if they're printed in rubber yet. But I think they might be have the ability to print in rubber. Uh, but where what started coming out too was not so much machine parts. There were aluminum parts that came out, windshields, steering wheels, uh, detail parts for the dashboard. Uh, but the photo etch started exploding. And the photo etch gave you scripts. It gave you chrome, uh, you know, the uh, uh, name, name of the car strips. Uh, you got the strips going across the cars and everything. Uh, bare metal started showing up at that point too. So we had bare metal foil going. Uh, so all of a sudden, that was kind of, you had resin before that point to do some customizing, but with the wheels, uh, there were two or three major manufacturers. Photo Etch, there were three or four major, maybe five major manufacturers. Uh, Rush Frankler was one of them. R&D Unique did white metal, uh, a cast pot white metal that, uh, in fact, uh, let me do this. I don't know if I could get it real well on this. I don't know. I'll try to do a focus there. I don't know. Could you see it anywhere? Any good? 
but that's a white cast metal carburetor. So that was available at the time. And you can see there's a lot of super detail. By the way, I don't know if you know the old trick about the gas filter. It's an electronic resistor. And it looks, you have an orange band to it. And it looks like it's for, full of fuel. Uh, so there was uh, a lot of this stuff. Oh, the alternator on that was white metal also. So a lot of stuff started coming out. The dashboard. I don't know if you could see it or not. I don't know if the lighting's good enough, but there's a, it's like a photo etch. I don't know if you can see it, but it, photo etch dashboard started coming out. Um, I think this also had like wheels, photo etched uh, disc brakes to it. So the headers I made by with solder. So that's solid solder. Uh, so they started coming out with all these detailed parts, uh, the brakes, everything else. Again, the wires were there and they're getting better scale wires and assorted colors and everything. So until that point, I don't know if anybody saw the older cars used red for the spark plug wires. There was no wire out there for it. So uh, all of a sudden it, it just exploded. You know, that was the machine parts were just the, uh, something that naturally occurred at the time uh, in pursuit of better detail and better looking cars. And uh, it ended up the cars popped off the table right off the bat, you know, with, with the wheels and everything on it. So I had a 44 uh, that I sectioned and chopped. And, uh, you know, I had a set of wheels on it that were okay. Some Japanese wheels that I put the Ford hubcap on it. But then I bought a set of those uh, aluminum wheels and it just popped right off the table at that point. So uh, Mark Weller kind of had a drop, drop mouth when he saw it because all the work that was done on the car, the paint job and that all combined and everything. Uh, there's an article on making it and uh, I, I refer back to the AMS. They put out their uh, whole uh, monthly magazine and I wrote a full article on putting it together and everything, uh, how to do the chopping and the sectioning and stuff like that. So uh, unfortunately, I don't know what happened to it. One of the shows had disappeared. So I don't know what happened to it. I don't know if I left it or it was lifted. I don't know. So anyway, uh, should I go on with the, with the, my show? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I want to, um, I know earlier uh, for those that are watching right now, um, you know, um, Alan was showing me his uh, his room, and it, it was really cool. It was really oh, cool to see. So he's gonna flip the uh, camera around. He's gonna show us around the room and and tell us. Uh, before I do that, let me do this. This is some of the that was uh, Da Garcia's artwork. He used to do it for the show, and it's just incredible. That was one of them. Um, then. This is my artwork for a slot car track that I did. And this was another one. I don't have any other any other pieces except this one of uh, one that David did. And it's absolutely beautiful, the colors and everything else. So that's early David Garcia right there. So anyway, let me uh, flip this around and 
well, I'm going to get away from a little bit of a mess here before you do that. And here goes. So anyway, there's a wall of shame. I designed that for a Corvair club because uh, I was, like I said, I was big into Corvairs and everything. So, and there's my license plate, Alan Gonick, all gone. And uh, some other little stuff up there. Uh, I got a bag over there, which everybody would probably die for. It's like 65 air cleaners and stuff from uh, Skylarks, you know, the, uh, the, the rectangular one with the sides to it and everything. Uh, whoops, whoops, sorry about that. And there is from the mom, that's uh, Boyd's signature. He was there with the car at the time. So uh, anyway, go across here. That's another one of uh, Froggy's illustrations right there, or DA Garcia now. Uh, there's all the different buttons from that's the Peterson show, the mom, NNL, way back when. Uh, those were the uh, my show, uh, Planes of Fame, and there's GSL. And I worked on uh, something called the Tomcat at Northrop at the time, too, uh, and the Gordini. If you don't know, that's an Italian car. It's a Fiat. And there's the Cruising Nationals. That's from uh, this weekend is coming the Santa Maria. And originally in uh, uh, Paso Robles. So uh, up there, honorable mention from Mark Gustafson Car Model Magazine. I could show you the, ma uh, the magazine in a few minutes. Uh, the car in a few minutes. And that's a Studebaker that I silk screened. I silk screened for years. I was a printer for years. Uh, all the different West Coast. That's uh, from uh, Victorville, Copper State. That was Arizona. Cactus Classic from Arizona. That's IPMS, a Fiat that I did. It ended up being in the Peterson Museum for a while. It sat there and I go, I wonder if I'm ever gonna get that back. So uh, this is a really cool award, this shape of the state and everything, Arizona. Uh, Model Rama, SoCal Model Rama. That was a show before my show and uh, before everybody else's show. That was one I first, first show I went to. Uh, Semicon out of the box, that's IPMS. And that one's from Minicon, which is IPMS in Orange County. So anyway, slot car stuff. I race slot cars too. And uh, what? <laughs> Let's look at this instead. That's a food dehydrator that I used on the Aluma Coupe to dry it. The Aluma Coupe was done with testers and amyls. And I put it in there and would dry within an hour enough that I could lay down the other coats. I'll show you that when we swing back some parts from past <laughs> badgers and, and other stuff. Uh, there's another badger, some old cars in a case that are dusty. And then here we go up, uh, gonna get to the collection. I got that also from an old hobby store at one time. And here comes the collection stuff. Let me zoom out. That's a Corvair fan, by the way. So uh, 
don't don't look at that helicopter. No, 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 no. Don't look at that because he won't see it again until <laughs> I put it on the table. But anyway, <laughs> so you got that sitting there. And there is the donor car for it right there. Uh, then there's other little things down here too hiding. I don't know what they are. That's a looks like a Corvair station wagon that I have. It's resin. I bought that originally from New Jersey. Uh, got that from an auction somewhere. It's an old uh, Ford control car. Um, I cut up a lot of Volkswagen buses at one time or another. So the auto transporter, which is up there, all rusted out right down to dirt on the wheels and stuff like that. And so uh, these are all filled with parts. These are all my parts boxes now. They're very big boxes, that's why I kept them. Ooh, the Testy Baker. And this one, I showed Nathan and he kind of really liked it a lot, which is this right here. That's a very cool looking car. Anyway, so there's, all the other stuff going up there. Uh, Gunzi Lo uh, Tamaya Lotus. Um, that would be a Tamaya Alpha. And a Hellers. All Heller kits. And I like Citroen TCVs. So this one is a very special one. It has, uh, you can make it into an early TCV, which had a Ripley hood. And it had resin fillers in it too. So it has resin parts to it. So uh, that was sitting at Pegasus for $11. So, and it's almost a complete kit with the bicycle and everything else. Uh, going over to the 170s up there. And I owned a truck like that at one time or another. The Bordens is really cool. It's a C-cab and a Carmigia. I have several kind of playful roofs with that one. And then I've just been collecting some old stuff from the 80s and stuff like that. An SVO, Fiero, the Avanti. I always liked the Avanti, never built it. Mustang too. I want to do something really bad with that. Shalanko, 120 scale. I saw it, one of them in the uh, Roadster show. They had one in the Roadster show. And that's the only time I saw it. But he had a box like this sitting in the seat. Big 120 Porsche. You know, these kits are ready, but here comes the stuff. Let's see, there's the one I talked about earlier that disappeared from the driveway. Was the, the man from Uncle Car, which is Corvair powered, and Gene Winfield designed it. And that is real 69. It has all the parts to it. And that's monster tires up there. This one's sealed because it's a true 67. In other words, the difference between a 67, that's a 69 with that light sitting, oops, with that light sitting right there by the bumper. This doesn't have that. And I also have on the inside of my house, a Corsa which was only produced two years. So uh, I resin cast the dashboard and made it available. I could make it available again. 
but it was only two years and it's the, the sports model that has a special dashboard and such like that. So uh, let me go down here, Move this stuff out of the way. I'm currently using a Pache. I was sitting around, so I uh, bought a little rack and everything, the compressors down there, all the little bottles and everything, and my collection of nail polish, which I really like to use. It's, it's really good lacquer and it's cheap to get a hold of, and you can get assorted colors. The different thinners I use, uh, Gunzi for almost everything, Gunzi thinner. And uh, I had to smuggle in some denatured alcohol from Arizona for uh, water base. So didn't see this in California. So uh, you can't get it in California. You have to go outside of the state for it and everything. So, uh, so that's the roll around tour here. Uh, there's not much more to see. You saw all the rest of the stuff and everything. The case is filled with all different kind of knives and such like that and paraphernalia and uh, silkscreen that, the name. And there's the uh, Mercedes put together by somebody else. Really cool looking car. And uh, there's other stuff in here, but, you know, Skyline. I built a drift car. I don't know if you saw it in the... Uh, uh, was so the one we just went to the show we just went to uh, the best of show so yeah, the uh, SoCal Open yeah SoCal Open I don't know if you saw my drift car it was a really one of the only real drift cars on the on the table because mm -hmm. it was dirty and the paint <laughs> job was rough <laughs> no nah, I don't you know uh, that's that's the one thing I I've been kind of regretting from the the shows you know when you have that responsibility of ending it's hard yeah. to like, step away from the table. Because the minute you step away, it's like you need to come back, you know, because there's someone has a question or someone wants to buy something. Right. You get stopped. Yeah. And, 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 you, and you're like, oh, dang. And at this last show, my friend was there. But then, you know, at some point he had to leave in the morning. And then it was like, all right, I'm stuck here now. So I couldn't jam. Damn, that looks nice. Yeah, it's, a, it's one of the craftsmen. There's only one problem, that fender. So... So that's, but otherwise it's very clean and everything. So, and those are ones I did die cast, like restored completely the bat, Batmobiles. I have about 300 Batmobile die casts and they're not Hot Wheels. They're uh, from Corgis and everything from the past and everything. So here's back to the table again. And that's the one I was talking about, which I don't know if I could zoom up on the license plate. The reason why it has that license plate, yeah, that's my bragging rights. That's a Salt Lake winner. So um, I lucked out and had the weirdest car in sight. That's called the Illumilac. It was at the show. So, uh, but this was all done in one day, all the paint. And it was because, and this is testers, mind you, testers enamel. And it was... Uh, I built all the the wells, fender wells, and uh, you know the and the pants. I built the pants, and uh, so that they, they uh, felt sorry for me, so they gave me an award at Salt Lake, I guess. So <laughs> it's called the Klingon Cruiser Award. So uh, the other one, you saw the 
for those who don't know what this is, oops, sorry. It only has one door on it uh, because it's a Citroen Trifo. So it only has one door and uh, I did all the brass on it and the headlights, I made headlights for it. And you saw, like I said, the a carburetor, can't get it without the light on it. Let me see if I can do that. So there's the carburetor, looks very authentic. Uh, and then all the brass, like I said, was done on it. Maybe I could get that dashboard now, the lighting's right. So that's a photo etched dashboard. And I did the side over there with Chrome and all the brass is done by me. And the chassis is all Ford out of a T-Bird. Has the IRS from the T-Bird. And purple. And it has the uh, photo etched uh, discs in it also. And I don't know if anybody saw it yet. It's been at shows, the Trog car. Uh, this is meant for the race of, uh, race of gentlemen who races only 30s, uh, 30s and below cars. They have to have authentic speed equipment and on it and everything. So there's the carbs. And the headlights, I made holes in them. And the body is completely rusted. I don't know if you can see the texture of it. Completely rested the seat, handmade. That's not a decal. That's thread by thread by thread making the seats and everything. Uh, I made the the uh, piston shifter. I just scratch built that, and uh, and duct taped the wheel, the steering wheel, and all the wood is done, made by hand. And authentic rust right there with holes and everything. And the bottom has sand on it. And I had to play with the suspension, the shocks on it. That's me. You see the rods coming through back there from the original suspension. Because <laughs> the Butera chassis sucks. Basically, <laughs> the chassis on it is really bad. Those were from a Corvette and I put foil. Uh, I had a, a chrome tree that was really flashy. So I broke off the flash and used that as backers for the, uh, for the lights off of a Corvette. And so that's the, the view, overall view. Uh, and let's see the trailer. I don't know if anybody saw the trailer yet. This was this is all nail polish completely and airbrushed. I really really had to search for the naked lady hubcaps. So and that that's a fade. I don't know if you can see it. That's not uh, lighting. It's actually faded from brown to a kind of uh, silverish. Uh, I'm proud of this thing too if I can get it out and show you guys. It's a sign that I made. I picked it up off the internet. 
Oops, where am I? I'm around here somewhere. There we go. So it has bullet holes in it on the back, on the front, and it's rested. And then I rested the back and put the bullet holes through it. So it almost looks like a real tin sign and everything. So that's a little detail nobody will ever see. So uh, except you guys right now. And there's the flag and some boxes. And there'll be more stuff being added as time goes on. The backlight will be added in, which was already made. I just don't have it on right now. And uh, so those are some of the cars I have out. Um, the Seta, oh, the Fiat, excuse me. It's the one that was in the museum and I never thought I'd see it's all falling apart. I got to put it back together. But uh, the decals, the roof is completely decals. And there, the checkboard was cut out and I put on individually one by one. And there's actually no roof on this car. So I don't know, have you ever heard of Gunzi high-tech cars? If no. you haven't, this is, look at that photo etch. That's photo etch. Yeah. So is the grill um, and set the wheels are photo etched completely. Uh, the engine isn't in it, but the engine was incredible. You could see this uh, kind of a hangover there. I wish I had the engine. I think it might be in here, but it's a uh, white metal. Yeah, there it is. It's a white metal engine that they made. I if I can pick that up. Yeah, I'm trying to pick that up. It says all birth in the background and everything. Has detail painting. Yes, that's a two-cylinder. <laughs> but the carb is just incredible on it too. And this is all in the kit. Uh, I showed you that one uh, first place in, in uh, box stock. This is the car. Because uh, what happened was everything that you see comes in the kit. And all the photo etch, all the photo etch, the uh, white metal, everything come in it. So if you go on eBay and start looking, you'll see there's a series of, sorry about this, series of uh, photo etch cars. I mean, uh, high-tech cars, Ferrari 250, uh, Alpha, a bunch of them. There's uh, several of them. So I'm just going to dig in here. You know, this one you probably already know because it was the cover car. If I could get it out. Sorry, I'm sorry about that, dead space. <laughs> okay, so there's the Chevy. That was the cover car for the event, for this event. And you saw that view of it already. I don't know if you could see it, the metallic. That's sprayed straight out of the uh, Tamaya, uh, is it Gunzi? Tamaya. Uh, Tamaya spray paint. They have a clear, um, uh, trying to remember what it's called, but it comes with flake in it and everything like that. And that's where that flake comes from in the paint job. So when it comes to this, it was the whole blower, the uh, aluminum, that was aluminum tubes that I made. Uh, the blower did not exist on this. So I made all the whole housing for the blower. 
and the belts were uh, a kit that came in. It does all aluminum belts. And the wires actually have wire combs on it. I don't know if you can see that. It's off to the side. On the one on the top, you could kind of see it on the right side. So uh, what's special about this, is, or what's weird about it, is that it's uh, a 53 front end, Corvette front end, molded. I made, made the, uh, uh, the front grille special. Uh, and the paint job is, you know, was hard to do on the hood to get it right, because that's a merge of a 50, uh, 53 uh, Bel Air, it was a 51, 51 fleet line uh, hood molded into the Corvette. And then the 54 back fenders with that have uh, skirts on it. And then I went into work. I work at a dental school where they have a lot of 3D printers. And they said, could you help me make the back lights for this car? So I made the master and he, they said, sure. And they printed it in clear. And uh, I made the spear on the back just from a piece of plastic. And that's what it looks like from the side. So that shows what you can do with 3D, not only just regular parts that are made, but you could also have custom parts made too. And uh, another feature was the widow's peak on the windows. I did both the front and the back in widow's peaks, which is another 50s custom type thing that you don't see too often anymore. So it's a widow's peak on the back. So I also made uh, the inner fenders that match up to the engine. Those are all scratch built. The side fenders are there, but the rest of it was all scratch built after the fact. So uh, paint job, again, that was uh, spray bond. The whole thing was spray bond. So, and masked and everything. On this, there's something called uh, frisket, which is uh, a, a very thin plastic coating over paper and you could see through the paper uh, on the backing so you could trace along a line if you draw it draw it and then you just use an exacto knife and do the lines and everything and it just lays down as a film uh, where you want it and you can see there's no bleed on it it's hard edges on that so uh, when you do it in fact it's very hard hard edge on that moon the reason why the moon is shimmering uh, that was my first foray with uh, in painting after years and years. And I was using nail polish with flake in it. The problem is, you know, I wanted to smooth it down and you lose the shimmering when you do that. So, uh, but it still retained a little bit of star specks on the, uh, on the moon. So that was what, one, two, three, four, five colors all in all man that's a lot of a lot of colors i like those little boxes i see how when you zoomed in the boxes yeah. are at the back of the trailer with the yep. tape yep that looks dope what are you using is that just uh what like a one millimeter two millimeter tape yeah uh, i don't know i cut it i just cut it but like, an exacto knife from masking tape <laughs> it looks small yeah it looks dope yeah that came that comes in a truck kit that Lindbergh. Oh, okay. They come printed, uh, but the AMT had at one time, and mm. I got a copy of it and and 
reproduced in, you know, on a copier and stuff like that. So, and that's, by the way, that's, that wood is like a veneer. Uh, at one time, one place was going out of business, bought all this veneer. So I have that. And the same group of veneer was on the, uh, on the street rod. That's all veneer. So it has a stick back to it, but I don't use the stick back. I just glue it on. So, uh, so anyway, that's some of the stuff that I have sitting around. I don't know what's this. Well, this is a truck. I don't know what's in this one. This is a truck that I put together. It's all, it's complete wood, handmade wood and everything. Sorry about that. So this has a slip off hood on it. That slips off. And there's, there's the prize right there. That's incredible. I love these supercharged engines. And the carburetors came from a Porsche, I think. And the air cleaners came from a sprint car. It was so beautiful, I couldn't pass it up. And I don't know if you're noticing this stuff. Talk about photo etch. There is the hose clamps that are photo etched. So you see the wire right there. Linkage go right across the other linkage. And that's a paperclip built in. And that's the old Lincoln. It's available in, the, in that uh, AMT kit right now. Uh, this AMT kit has that engine in. Whoops, where is it? That one. That's the engine right there. So, but again, the air cleaners were added and stuff like that. So there's the back of the truck. This is completely wood, all scratch built. Whole dashboard, wheels, and uh, let me flip this. Has the photo etch plates in it, and there's the rest of the car. Man, that looks amazing. Uh, one thing that stood out to me is what you pointed out: the uh, the widow's peak on the yeah. custom car, like on the front yeah. and then the back. That yeah, you're right. That's something I never really see now and i don't hear anybody talk about that or do that to their customs as of now that i've seen actually it came on a regular car from the factory a kaiser kaisers came with those widow's peaks from the factory so uh, the customizer side and started grabbing it and i was reading another custom magazine and and they mentioned widow's peaks on it so that's where it came from uh also, let me swing you around here. I, did I show you the original art from D.R. Garcia? I showed you, but I don't know if they get, did I show you this stuff already? Yeah, yeah. Let's, okay. let's show the, okay. the viewers though. Oh, okay. Yeah. So that's original art from uh, D.A. Garcia. Get some glare off of it there. I have it framed. The, uh, that was what the shirt was made off of that you had seen in the awards. And this is Jack Davis. That was from 93, that's the logo. And those are the uh, rewards from the previous year. And those are the diamonds. Uh, that was the Inland Empire show. And this one is the SoCal Classic. And Jack did pretty much the airbrush, the awards. He did everything there. And like you said, Jack designed uh, the hooker header logo with the two hearts. 
he designed that too and half the hooker headers too. So uh, very talented man. This thing's sitting around from years ago when I sketched out, I was gonna do that to a 2CV. Oh no, that was for the Lotus. I was gonna do that on the Lotus, but it got too complicated, so I didn't do it. <laughs> so yeah, things happen. Way too complicated. <laughs> yeah. Man, that's pretty cool. There's so like so much, you know, history and interesting things there on your wall and bench yeah. and all that. Do you spend a lot of time in there during your downtime when you're not working? Actually, I, I really cleaned this place up tonight. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this whole the whole uh table is kind of cluttered and everything mm -hmm. but what's really weird is uh this was made years ago those are silkscreen clamps and down below is a light and i used to silkscreen on this table so my next door neighbor was uh restoring jute boxes and i silkscreened the faces right here in this garage for him <laughs> Never got a dime. Nice guy. <laughs> but, uh, you know, Dang. I saw it on the, uh, I saw it on the jukebox and it was, it was dead on exact. Yeah. So. Oh, cool. Yeah. It, you know, when you uh, think back to, you know, when you're, when you got involved, you know, with the contest and mm -hmm. building models throughout all the years until now what, with what you're seeing now, uh, was there ever a time where you felt like, man, this hobby is like, like, this is it, you know, a lot of people are leaving from it, or was there ever a time when you felt like it was going down, or to you, did it always feel like it was stable, and it just kept growing and climbing up? No, that's the 15th year of the classic. It was, by that time, I could see the writing on the wall. What was going on was basically, uh, sorry, I'm trying to put this down. Basically, what was going on was uh, the number of the models on the table were the same uh, same amount or better up in the region of 400 cars uh, in I think 22 classes. So the tables were getting a little bit thin, but I started reading the numbers and it was lower builder numbers. So people were building more models, but there weren't more modelers. And I said, this is not good. This is, it's not, you know, it's, it, I could see the, the writing on the wall. First of all, it's back then and still to this day, the domination of the hobby is uh, guys my age, because we did this as kids. We were, uh, the U.S. was industrial base. Uh, as a kid, I played with a, a kind of blow up plastic screw and bolt as a two-year-old, three-year-old, because that was kids' toys. So you were, uh, you were born into turning a screw, knowing what industrial is, you know, not being afraid to uh, unplug the toaster and see if you could fix it, or a fan, or a heater, or washing machine, or something like that. You weren't afraid of it because you were born into it. And things like, you knew what a motor was, you knew what uh, electronic parts on the inside were. Uh, my mother would joke about my father putting the TV together with the plastic sprues, <laughs> you know, to get it to work again. So uh, basically, I guess what he was doing is maybe, uh, you know, making sure the contacts were good and stuff like that. But uh, as a teenager, I had a buddy that would, uh, 
where we go to swap meets and we would pick out amps and TVs and fix them up and resell them. Resell them. So uh, I knew kind of a, what electronics was. Uh, it is kind of funny, Arcadia, Pasadena. Pasadena was a small place. I grew up in Temple City. And uh, uh, he would say, oh, what's the name is working with Van Halen and renting in their amps and everything for the gigs. Because Van Halen was in the backyard playing at uh, beer parties. You pay a buck for a beer and you get into the backyard. And there's Van Halen on, you know, in somebody's backyard. So uh, it was a very, very small place. And uh, uh, some bands would play every now and then locally and it would be pretty big. And the Ice House was there, which was one of the first comedy clubs in the U.S. in Pasadena. So uh, anyway, back then, uh, it was it was my generation. That was kind of what was happening. The young guys were coming in. The lowrider guys were the younger guys coming in. But the hot rods and everything are the older guys and everything. But now I see a lot of influx of new people and everything and younger people. And uh, that'll keep the the hobby going. Uh, where will it go? We were bananas over engines. Look at the engines that I built, you know, wiring and everything else. Question is, what will be next? You're going to be start building in, um, electric cars and stuff like that, which will be more towards edging towards more style in a car rather than the mechanical ability of the car. You'll be uh, worried about the design of the car. Uh, I don't like how they're completely going complete electric now almost they're trying to get completely electric uh, i have a feeling there'll still be sports cars and there'll still be motors but the bugatti's gone there's not a, not going to be another bugatti going 300 miles an hour um, if it is it's a one-off it isn't a production car so uh the generations do different things to different cars uh your generation uh, are going into drifters and going into JDM cars, which again, JDM cars were a joke back then. You know, it's just like, ugh. yeah, right. The only thing that had horsepower was uh, Mazda. And uh, you didn't see skylines in the country. You didn't know what a skyline was. The only cars you knew were Datsuns because of the 240Z and the 510. But otherwise, you know, you had a few Mazdas here and there that would go fast, but you didn't see all the good cars coming in, the Cosmos and the uh, Skylines and, and the four-rotor cars and stuff like that. So uh, I think, you know, it's going to be interesting to see what's going on in the future as far as electric cars. Uh, I could see cars actually going into motion now. And where's does the line draw between slot cars and or radio controlled and model cars? So uh, static model cars. Um, again, the static model cars will always have better detail. And for some people that are doing detail, that's where it's going to be is model cars. Um, I just uh, it's it'll be interesting to see. Um, I knew a lot. I know a lot of the old timers. I knew a lot of the old timers, and. Uh, it's good if you get a chance to go up to uh, Winfield show. That is like no other show around because Gina's sitting there 
with his creations all over the place. He has a junkyard in the backyard where he's been pulling parts. He has molds for uh, older Chevys and Fords and everything. And then people show up with all these different cars, uh, including um, Custom Car Garage by Ian. Uh, the guy that comes over, I forget his name, but he has all the wild cars and everything. He showed up at Winfield's show and Ian shows up at Winfield's show. But you got Radio Bob sitting there with model cars. It's an okay show, you know. <laughs> but uh, it's just interesting to be around that vintage metal and people that are emulating the vintage metal and stuff like that. Um, Santa Maria is another show that's coming up next week. Uh, that used to be Paso Robles where all the head customizers, they would all park behind the hotel. Barris would sit there with Winfield with with some of the Alexander brothers, everybody customizes would be there. Uh, and I was lucky enough to see or know about the customizers, you know, the old time 50s customizers that are uh, started, you know, the designs and the thought process was starting Hot Wheels and what they did in Hot Wheels. So um, you can see what goes on. By the way, there is a model car builder that is the head of uh, Matchbox Cars, head designer of Matchbox Cars. And he just walks around. I'm not going to say his name, but he's out there. <laughs> so he's seeing the model car tables and, and getting inspiration from them. Oh, that's cool. So he's still like staying in, in touch, in tune, you know, with seeing what's going on right now. Yeah, so I walked up to Pegasus and he was walking into Pegasus and said, how you doing? Because he's he was a modeler in my contest and he yeah. he's between the tables. <laughs> oh wow! Yeah, he's Crazy. still a nice guy too. Yeah, you know, I, I keep I keep wondering, you know, like, you know, have have you been going to show like model car shows like every year since back in the day, since the eighties to now? Yeah, yeah, I was on and off. Uh, yeah, I would freeze by if I had nothing to put in. Mm -hmm. uh, rusty. Uh, uh, Rusty, I forget his last name. You know the guy who runs all the car shows. Uh, he he does uh, um, uh, Grand National. He did the show at the Grand National, and he did. Uh, West showed up to that, and the Trog car was on the table, and I took second place. I mean, come on, we're talking West, right? <laughs> so I was proud to get a second place against that. <laughs> He had that multicolor car that the yeah the Ford uh, truck Damn, yeah that's crazy yeah and that was in the same class so I took a second place in that class I'll take it <laughs> it's fine with me uh, but that's the one thing about model car shows is the camaraderie of everybody you know you know the people you catch up with them see what they're doing and everything um, Sam Freeman showed up uh, at the uh, that the show we just went to and he popped out from nowhere. He uh, has a garage that he used to fix up Ferraris for people and maintain them and, and all these big muscle cars and everything. He used to be Freeman model, Freeman uh, five resin. And Mike Flynn would do the masters and he would pour the, the funny, funny car bodies. And he showed up out of nowhere. So he's going to be, he's going to build again. And when he builds, you'll see it on the table. No two ways about it. He's a really good builder, excellent builder. Uh, and the rest of the builders, they're still out there. They're just in different parts of the country now. Rob Smorey's out there. Uh, 
uh, again, 32-bit brain, uh, but there a lot of them are out there and they're still building. Uh, and I did, I did visit model cards when Rusty did one in Ontario. I did that. His last, the uh, Orange Empire, I think it was. He, I went to that one and uh, I took the drift car, I think. That was when I first put the drift car. So the drift car was put together eight, 10 years ago. So maybe a little bit less. But anyway, I took that out there. It was just okay. Nobody, nobody knows what drifting was back then. <laughs> I was going down to uh, Adams Raceway in Riverside, which is a uh, go-kart track. And they run amateur drifting out there. So uh, I learned about drifting early on. Then I went up to Willow Springs and they had it up on the patio at Willow Springs and the Horseshoe Mile. So, cause I went out there for a, a road race uh, to do photography and uh, caught a lot of drifters out that day too. So it was pretty cool to see all that stuff. And it's really fun to see amateurs. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty cool. You know, uh, I, I trip out cause you're, you're like, you travel, like you go all over the place, especially in California, you know, earlier in the year, I saw you at the NNL West. Mm-hmm. You were out there, and then you're this weekend. You're going to be up in Santa Maria. I don't know about that. <laughs> I, uh, I'm getting afraid of traveling nowadays. To tell you, the yeah. Truth. I mean, that's a that's a drive because yeah. are, are you still you're located like in LA County or in the Valley? Ontario. Ontario. Okay. Uh, out by San Bernardino and Pomona. Yeah. So, so I mean, from there to Santa Maria, that's a longer drive. You're it is. At, right? It is. Well. Uh, in past years, I took my son and we would co-drive because uh, uh, now he's working on, he works at the airport on the weekend. He works swing shift. So he, like we missed Benedict uh, Castle this weekend and I should have gone out there. And that's a major customizer. Uh, it's like a concourse. And if you look it up, you'll see a lot of stars, a lot of the automotive stars show up there. And uh, it's run by uh, McGuire uh, of McGuire Waxes. His daughter runs the show. And it's uh, in a castle that's, it, this, it was built like a castle in Riverside. And so they have, the whole grounds around it are, are cards and everything. They bring out some major customizers out there. Another big show I really love, it's right in Chino, which is in my backyard, is the uh, Friends of steve mcqueen show and you see a line of bullet car, bullet mustangs uh they have vintage trailers uh you know the old 50s trailers and everything that are really cool they have drag racing cars uh there was a porsche 917 there there was because he was you know <laughs> he he made the movie right <laughs> says 917 at one time, they had his car and the Charger there at the same time. Uh, normally, it's a movie theme every year. And uh, last year, two years ago, it was the Steve McQueen affair. I mean, the, uh, uh, I forget the, uh, the name of the movie. It was a something affair. And he drove three different cars, which was a Rolls Royce, a Ferrari, and a Corvair Doom buggy in it. And all three cars were there. And his bikes are there normally. He came, he was, he was, it's a, like a boys town place. 
you know, they rescue rescue young men and everything and teach them uh, skills and everything. And Steve McQueen came from there in, I think, the 40s. So that's a very cool show. Uh, Trog, the, the Trog car that I built, that's happening at least once a year now in a place called Flay, Flay Bob Airport, where they're flying over uh, uh, dual wing airplanes and everything, the old biplanes overhead, uh, while these cars are drag racing, the 20s and 30s cars are drag racing. Don't they do um, one like that in uh, Santa Barbara? That was in Santa Barbara at one time. Uh-huh. Uh, they gave up Santa Barbara. It was actually up in uh, Pismo two years. Went to Santa Barbara one year. It got rained out really badly at Pismo. Uh, they went to Santa Barbara. Really good show. The uh, Orange Crate showed up there. Uh, you know, the there's a model car, the Orange Crate. It's a, what, a 32 chopped. And it has like a mid-engine. It was a drag racer and everything. That was there and it did an exhibition run. Um, and the bikes were out there and everything else. Basically, they have somebody with a flag that jumps high in the air, normally a good looking girl. And uh, they drag race for an eighth mile, which, you know, blinding speeds, you're running uh, flathead Fords, uh, fours and flathead V8s. You have blinding speeds at the end of the trap at about 50 miles an hour, maybe 60 if you're lucky. So, but it's just the whole idea. It's loud and smoky and it, it's just a very cool environment and everything. Uh, I went to the one, first one to Flay, Flay Bob and one guy walked up to me, started talking about the camera and everything. I've got to find out that he works with the government photographing all the aircraft. And this was his first time in a race, you know, an event in California. And he says, I can't believe how sewn in the automotive culture is to Southern California. It's, it's Southern California lives and breathes cars. And it's not just cars you see on the street. It's collector's cars. It's exotic cars. It's bikes. It's everything. He says, you don't see this around the country. This is only here that it happens, uh, <clears throat> which I think is not the truth. I think Florida has a good amount of uh, cars and collectors and everything else too. So uh, as far as traveling, I try to stay kind of close to home. You know, not so, I haven't gone to Arizona in years or uh, Vegas. They have two Vegas shows in years. Uh, I heard the Vegas show is really good. It's more of an IPMS show, but it's, uh, there's a uh, club up there that really looks at it. <clears throat> I mentioned AMS. Uh, Wayne Halsey, who used to do a lot of the production and everything and keep the club together, he's in Vegas. <clears throat> I don't think he builds anymore, but he probably shows up the show. And Arizona, I went to a few shows out there that were a kick. And uh, now they have another big one out there, too. Uh, the Cactus Classic is out there. <clears throat> and San Diego is coming up soon, too. They're going to have a, a club. It's, it's, I think, meeting up with IPMS to do the, and then the San Diego guys do the club. Uh, San Diego club does the automotive judging or whatever. So, uh, and was probably the furthest I went in a long time. Uh, Santa Maria, 
uh, I hate missing it to tell you the truth. Uh, because that's a show no, like no others. Uh, the best of the custom cars are out cruising on the main street on Friday night at Santa Maria. You could look at videos, you know, on YouTube and everything. And it's just incredible. It's just these custom cars, low riders, um, you know, street machines, everything just cruising together. And it's just a big party out there. Everybody's cruising. And the big thing was seeing Gene ride beside Ian, uh, you know, coming down in their latest creations and everything side by side. So it's incredible to watch that. Uh, <clears throat> again, it's hard to find hotels up there too. You got to get hotels six months in advance. I would stay in Lompoc instead and uh, do the half hour drive to get there. But it, it was worth every penny. And then you got the car show up there and uh, they, there's also a model car show up there. So, uh, so that's, it's, it's a treat. You know, I tried to go to some of the best. I think I'm going to try to catch cruising for a cure because there is a model car show there too. Uh, the person that runs it is a very good modeler. So the judging will be very fair. Uh, uh, Jones, uh, I'm trying to remember his first name. But uh, anyway, he's been a builder for years. He owned a hobby store for years and he's a top modeler, national modeler. So the judging should be pretty good up there in that show. And uh, you get the rest of the car show too. I guess I'm always wheeling my camera and, uh, you know, you, uh, the linkage will be there. You could see my page and I've done, I know I do at least 20 shows a year, if not more. And then I pick up local shows too. There's a Chrysler show that's here in locally that garners about 300 cars a year. So it goes from uh, early vintage all the way through to all these uh, chargers sitting there and challengers, <laughs> you know, the new man. cars. Are yeah. That's <laughs> a lot of shows, man. You hit up a lot of shows. Well, there's one site for Southern California. Uh, it's called SoCal Culture. SoCalCarCulture.com. And they have a calendar of all the cruises and all the big shows and everything in Southern California by city in alphabetic order by week. So actually by day. So, uh, and that used to be owned, uh, I'm trying to remember his name, Dave Lindley owned it. And he would show up at all the, my model car shows and photograph all the time and put everything up on Foki and everything, you know, he had his own page. And on that page, there used to be all the model car shows too, but he died years ago and it was taken over and that's kind of faded away. I'm sorry to say that there were coverage of every local model car show there was in Southern California. You know, there, I watched so many people go through that show. Um, I'm trying to think of his name right now. Steve Magnani. Uh, he had a show on uh, Discovery, I think it was, about model cars and putting together model cars. He works for the auctions, the big auctions. He's the the low voice that knows all the tech about the, you know, the specifications of the cars and everything. He used to vend magazines at the show, <laughs> you know, so it's like Mike Morgan, another modeler. He was on the cover of Hot Rod Magazine for his Nova. And those two run together uh, in different places and everything. Uh, 
I was up in Vegas with Mike Morgan. Must have been it must have been Vegas show. I guess I might have gone there at one time. <clears throat> we rented a car, a little cheap Acano box or something. So I'm, you know, going through the back parking lot. And all of a sudden, he pulls the e-brake. <laughs> the guard goes, "Wow!" <laughs> he was kind of crazy that way. He uh, also cre- uh, had a uh, um, what do you call those things? Gasser. He had a Rambler, and it actually he was driving it up to Vegas and it rolled over on him on the freeway. He came out fine, but, uh, you know, he's, he's pure racing. His father won the first pro street championship. So racing is in his blood, you know, so to speak. That's crazy. That happened to him. (laughs) Yeah. So, uh, there's also Jay Leno run across him every now and then, Uh, um, the weatherman, uh, Dallas rains. That was a shock. So this beautiful Beamer 2002 uh, with fender flares and everything in Pasadena in Morning Octane, which is a show that used to run all the time. And uh, it just pulled up from, you know, there's a hill that comes down and, and you see it pulling up. You go, that is great looking car. And here comes Dallas Reigns out of it. <laughs> and I started talking to him and said, do you race it? He goes, yeah, I've been well with Springs all the time. So uh, another time, Adam Sandler. I was up at Willow. And uh, I saw uh, uh, Happy Gilmore jackets on all the guys that are, are go-karting. And I said, where's Adam? He goes, oh, he's up the hill somewhere, you know, because the uh, garage was up the hill for the go-karts. So we're walking up the hill. This guy's walking by with a hat and glasses on. And I go, is Adam up there? He goes, yeah, yeah. I thought I saw him up there. I walked two steps and said, no, no, I want a photograph now. <laughs> And that was him walking by. <laughs> oh, wow. So, uh, you know, yeah. So uh, another one is Adam. Uh, um, what's his name? He did the man show. Uh, anyway, he he uh, I was up at uh, photographing at. Uh, um, Laguna Seca, Mazda Raceway, whatever they're calling it now. And my buddy was running in a 510 Datsun. He raced 510 Datsuns. And so I caught him coming down the hill, down the corkscrew. And there was the Datsun lookalike. It was actually Bobby Allison's car. That was a BRE car, Datsun BRE car, prepared by BRE. But uh, Allison raced it by himself. And it had the same uh, markings and everything, same livery as a uh, Dodson uh, BRE 510, which John Morton was running uh, in the right time. Uh, so I caught him, another one, and another one, and they all were in the front. His was in Adams was in focus. Uh, then the other two, uh, the guy behind him was one of the fastest guys in the 510, and then a third 510 coming down, and they were focused for the first car and then slightly blurred for the second and completely blurred for the third. His people called me up and said, he wanted a picture. So I said, okay, if I could deliver it. So I got to see his garage, you know, and he, he uh, owns all of Paul Newman's old Dottons. He collects them. So all they were were on the racks and everything uh, along with a, a Lamborghini Miura and stuff like that. Adam Carolla. Sorry. Yeah, I was, I was about to say that. Adam Carolla, yeah. that's a trip, yeah. dude. And I watched him race a few times, too. 
you know, in, in the races, because my buddy was racing the five tens. Okay. So I hung out with the five ten guys and, and I saw him. I got a great picture I could send you. It's him in the front windshield of a B210, which he bragged had original paint job on it until he crashed, of course. <laughs> Dang. And, yeah. and with all the with all this, you know, like all these things you got going on, when, when um, you know, when you when you have time to like finally sit down or you're inspired to work on a car, when does that happen? Like, is it on the weekends or is it or is it during the week for you? It all depends. Uh, normally, I could sit down for an hour or two, and after you know dinner and stuff like that, and uh, work on a piece of a car or something. You, I don't know if you saw the post of the of the uh, tractor trailer i'm doing the semi yeah that was one of your recent posts on instagram right yeah they, you saw the use of plastic right on it <laughs> yeah yeah so so like um are you doing this like late at, do you stay up late working on your models or, or is you're doing uh, normally morning? 11 o'clock i go to bed and stuff like that so okay. it normally at about an hour or two yeah. uh i worked on the plastic like two nights uh because i got the idea i'm gonna use a coke bottle <laughs> Because mm -hmm. I like the streaks in it, <laughs> you know, the fins in it. So uh, I said I like that, but uh, it took a lot of work. I, I had to cut up two different bottles to get what I wanted. Then I figured out I better do the sides and flat plastic and then match the uh, plastic, the Coke bottle to it. And so uh, it worked out pretty successful at the end. Um, it's still in construction. It's going to be a, a Mad Max waste world type of thing. And so uh, amazingly enough, I said, Larry, you have any barbed wire in scale? He says, yeah, we might have some downstairs still because they produced it at one time. And it's, uh, it's Pegasus brand and everything. So uh, I went in the second time and bugged them. And uh, one of the guys went downstairs and got it for me. So it might be one of some of the last in existence. I don't know. So that's going to have the barbed wire on it. I've been picking up 3D printed uh, um, cabinets, toolboxes. Uh, uh, you have a trash can that looks incredible. You know, it has the little handles on the side and everything, the plastic handles. And has a lid on and everything like a rubber mate. It's incredible. <laughs> so That's crazy. Do you, do you ever yeah. like think, man? I wish we would have had this back then with the 3D printing. Oh yeah, oh yeah. You know, you, you had to do everything from scratch if you wanted to. Some pit, some resin casters were making toolboxes and stuff, and you could pick up some of the tools from some of the older kits and everything. Uh, I don't have it because it isn't in good shape my ford which was my big foray into a lot of the contests and everything is a four-door 40 ford uh it was a four like a dual cab and then had a, a, a wood bed just like the orange truck had and everything on it a lot of detail on it all four doors opened uh, i made the whole back end completely in the doors and the insides and everything all together and uh um that had i got a photo it said of tools uh, or no it was white metal tools and if you look in the uh, passenger side door front door there's a vice grip for the uh for, to open the door <laughs> so i grew up with that kind of stuff <laughs> yeah so uh so anyway that that was uh 
that yeah there's as far as having a 3d printing uh a lot of people think that that's the way the model cars are going to go you know if you want to you're seeing it all over the place now if you cruise on the internet and into facebook pages and stuff like that there's actually a facebook resin resin page uh, that people are playing with uh, excuse me printing 3d printing page uh people are playing with the 3d all over the place and all the bodies that everybody always wanted are out there now and they're coming out more and more and the variants of the bodies are coming out different race cars you know more detail in the in the nascars uh and uh a lot of the customs are out there flintstone's been out there for years i saw him at one of the shows up north i think it was in the cow pasture cow cow palace up in oakland or something i saw him up there and uh, met him for a few minutes you know because he's from back east so uh so it was kind of weird seeing you know people that are out there now you know and and he got a good gig you know with uh ravel monogram for a while and uh so and then he just went independent after that so um uh, i think uh i like you see what what i've been doing in this with the uh, uh citrone and even with the uh trog car uh i just used to making it because it wasn't available so i just say oh i could do that <laughs> i wish i had a lathe but that's about it you know I, uh, you you talked earlier to uh I forget who it was. Oh, uh, yeah, I'm sorry. I'm forgetting his name. Uh, he won at Salt Lake, the big guy that won at Salt Lake from Southern California. Uh, he's, he was talking about a lathe. Oh, da I, Daniel? Yeah, yeah. I'm, I've been kind of irking, looking and hoping for, uh, you know, a cheap lathe. And the closest I could find for cheap is a uh, bead machine. They call it, a, you know, for making beads. And it's a miniature lathe, but I don't think it has as much control as uh, a mat would, you know, the uh, micro mat does. And I think uh, Joey has one, a micro mat, because uh, he worked with Mike for so many years that he just ended up buying a micro mat and he's machining everything himself. Yeah, yeah. it's a trip uh, seeing uh, the stuff that Joe Alter Works has been coming out with. <laughs> I grew up with Joey. He was a kid in Pegasus. And Mike was teaching him everything in sight. And Joey so soaked it up. And he started showing up on the shows. And you go, oh, my God. And that's even before he was machining stuff. So, uh, and I remember some of the early builds were all JDM stuff. It wasn't sheet rods. So uh, that was the influence in Pegasus on JDM you know, was, was Joey. He, he kind of helped it edge in there. And he was also there and suggesting what wheels should be done and everything else. So I've, I've joked with Larry. I said, as soon as I retire in five years, I'm going to work for you. <laughs> Just like that way. And he kind of looked at me and, uh, you know, I, uh, you know, I could walk in there and, and I hopefully I'll go in there and start boosting the automotive stuff. And yeah. Tell us um, before before we wrap up this episode. Tell us, plug in the uh, the model car meetings at Pegasus. Yeah, it's uh, every third Saturday at Pegasus Hobbies in in Upland, and uh, 
we've been having small meetings, but the first one was gigantic because it was right after the uh, uh, Spirit of Speed show. You know, it was right around the same time as the Spirit of Speed. I, I think I held it on like a Saturday or something. Everybody showed up, all the promoters and everything else. Um, it's a small, uh, I'm calling it the Plastic Cruisers. I'm revising the name Plastic Cruisers, which I had the art around here somewhere for that. And uh, the original art, there it is. Let me get it, wait a second. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, so this is cool. So this takes place at the Pegasus uh, Hobby Store and uh, their new location. Uh, they used to be in Montclair and then they moved uh, to a new spot right here. Let's see. That's Plastic Cruisers logo. That was from the day when it- I like uh, that, man. That looks dope. Super yeah. cool. Who drew that? It's really cool. Uh, the thing is that- uh, the plastic cruisers would walk into a show and that would be the end of the show it was that type of thing we had a lot of mike morgan was in there uh, a guy named um, mike parrot was there and he he was the first one that came up with the uh telescoping antennas on cars it would physically telescope out and he had all super detail and everything anyway getting back to the meeting the good part of the meeting is uh first of all we're sitting in this little room and there's all kind of garbage around you. And you're going, oh my God, look at this. And it's old, uh, accurate miniature, Chevys are sitting around, uh, prototype parts are sitting around. Because here's a secret, guys, if you don't know it, that that's Mobius. Uh, Pegasus is Mobius. You know, that that's their company. So all the Fords that are coming out, all the pickup trucks, those from their design there and a lot of the artwork flows through there a lot of decision making is flowing through there uh larry the owner is the one that's doing it and the guys behind the counters are, are kind of putting input into it too so uh <clears throat> I, I could leak this it's it's going to happen sooner or later there's something called a uh a mercury f-150 for those who don't know ford did not make cars in canada officially so they had a mercury they didn't have a ford f-150 that had a mercury f-150 and that is being produced as we speak you know uh so that's going to be out there and i kind of nudged larry and said do you know what an arcadian is he goes no i never heard of arcadian and i showed him and i said this is a 64 and 65 arcadian he says wow because <laughs> he already has an overkit. <laughs> so it's just a grill modification that looks like a, a Ventura, more like a Pontiac front end and a few chrome strips and everything. And I'm talking to him, trying to convince him that he can make a, a Canadian Nova now uh, off his molds already, that he just has to do two modifications and some photo etching he probably hasn't made. So uh, that's, an, that's a non-official leak. But uh, it's... Uh, he he has open ears, but it, it has to be really good reason why, <laughs> you know, to what he's doing. He uh, we were sitting around and he said, what do you think of this stuff? And I said, "Ooh, I want that grill for my truck. And that is a new tow truck coming out uh, off the Ford F-150 that they'll have. And it's super detailed. He has like chains and hooks on it like a tow truck would, you know, like the old tow truck had. 
and it's the detail is incredible on it. It's crisp, and these are test shots, and it's very crisp, very nice. He says, "Yeah, this part isn't right. This part isn't right. It's going to have to be corrected and everything." But uh, I got the cow pusher out of it <laughs> for the truck, so I want that cow pusher, Larry. He said, "Yeah, just take it." <laughs> so, uh, so you, you know, you go around, you just look behind the counter every now and then, you'll see parts sitting there something's wrong with the kid or something so they have to uh, look at it and repackage it or something like that so but that is if nobody knows it it's no secret that pegasus is more uh mobius you know kits so if you're hot on those kits and you're in town you could buy it right off the shelf there's no rarity to it whatsoever uh they have more than enough stock on the shelves and if you haven't been to pegasus if you want to come down, uh, it's like I said, third Saturday night, uh, you come in at five o'clock, whatever you buy before you go into the meeting is 10% off the total bill, not off pieces, but off the total bill. And uh, you can get Mobius kits there. Uh, if you haven't been to Pegasus, you haven't been to a hobby store yet. Uh, they make every other hobby store look like a, uh, uh, corner drugstore or a corner liquor store there you would you, you'll, your eyes will be popping and you'll just be looking at everything they have almost every car that's made in stock uh, any any kind of jdm cars are there uh, tamaya gunzi heller atelieri they have all that stuff on the shelf and it could be vintage if you look behind the counter they have sliding boards and the sliding boards have all the aftermarket stuff that they have from since Mike and, and Rick were there. Uh, they try to get it in, but COVID, everything stopped at COVID almost. So now they're kind of restocking some other stuff and aftermarket stuff. And that hopefully when I get there, if I get there, uh, that's what I'll be working on is getting resin on the uh, shelves and getting uh, machine stuff in and getting printed stuff in and, you know, anything I can custom that's different. Problem is it's budgetary, you know, I'm going to say, Larry, how much of a budget do I have? How much could I get? You know, and that's what it'll be. I hope to do, do that. That's what I told Larry. That's what I wanted to do. And he says, we don't have a car guy right now. So we really need a car guy. So, um, but if, if you had never been to Pegasus, uh, and you have the opportunity to go even to one of the club meetings if you want. Uh, it's it's like no other shop you've seen. It's it's like going to what you dreamed of. Uh, as a kid, I grew up in New York, and uh, I was luckily was taken to a place called Polk's Hobby. I think it was in Manhattan. It was five stories of hobbies, and uh, the third story was slot cars. And another story was uh, airplanes. Another story was cars. Another story was model railroads and everything. And it was just incredible just to see that capability of it. And since then, all the other hobby stores died off, really. The big hobby stores, you know, uh, Hobby Shack is gone, really. You know, oh, well, yeah, Hobby Shack, right? It's Hobby Lobby is the one that took over, uh, which is great to watch their sales, too. You know, they have discount sales and everything. They're really good. So, uh, but otherwise the internet opens up everything. And there's also car auctions on there if nobody knows about it, Facebook. 
that you get on there for a few hours and just watch these things go by and you could bid on them if you want or just see what kits were out there vintage kits that you didn't even know about and the guys will be chatting about it and everything on the side but it they run up into money you know because they're collector cars so people start getting into those bid wars right there yeah they do <laughs> believe me i've been there. Oh, yeah. i bet <laughs> i said oh i want that and all of a sudden some guy bids another dollar over you and you just go dollar for dollar and finally say oh, i'm done <laughs> yeah say i'm tapping out that's it yeah i don't like to spend over 20 or 30 dollars on anything so uh you know so i try to confine my my pricing and everything so mm -hmm. all right on man no that's cool well hey yeah. it, it was uh this was awesome uh we we got to do a, a follow-up you know because I, I feel like there's still more there's more history more things i could talk there. all night <laughs> and and i i feel like there has to definitely be like more more parts or even like a future episode pairing you with you know s someone from back in the day too would be pretty awesome too because um I'm, I'm sure there's some stories and things that will come up in those uh those conversations you know there's a there's a guy called jim bunch he sponsors a lot of the awards he's a crazy guy and he's a graphic designer and he wins wherever he goes so yeah yeah and he's still around. He still shows nice. and everything. So. Nice, nice. No, that sounds cool. Well, yeah. Well, uh, we uh, well, we'll keep in touch, you know, and and let me know, let me know um, for for future, and and I hope to see you in Pomona uh, this year as well. I'll be out there at the again, you know, like we were there last year. So hope to see you there at that show. Uh, uh, I don't know if I'll be vending, but I'll definitely go be going. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'll I'll, uh, I'll be there for sure. And um, I just want to like, you know, shout everybody out too that was like tuned in uh, from the beginning and still tuned in right now. Uh, what, you know, viewing and and also for the, the episodes going to be out the audio later uh, this week. Uh, so thanks for tuning in. The links will be on the description once the episodes are out. So this way you could uh, check out Alan's photography and, um, you know, I'll be linking the Instagram and also his uh, Facebook uh, page right there. So this is uh, 65 Lokes checking out this is episode number 217 and thank you again alan this was awesome uh, uh, thanks for listening <laughs> yeah no thank you man this, this was this was dope this was definitely dope um thank you you know so uh you have a good night and we'll keep in touch thank you so much yeah no you're welcome thank you bye, bye. peace out